0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, if I can pronounce it correctly. And we're going to continue our journey, if you will, uh, through the uh, this wonderful book that is so full of truths and uh, encouragement and reminders. We've already Alluded to the fact uh, that uh, the opening uh, chapter, uh, we understand that he right off the bat he says that he is just better talking about Jesus. He's better, and then we looked at he's better than the angels. As we continue on, uh, we see that uh, he is referred to as uh, as our high priest, but uh, he's better than the high priest. He's the greatest of all time. Uh, I think about this, and we all, especially in the sports world, it's not only in the sports world, but you have these debates. Who's the greatest quarterback ever? And everybody has their person that they want. And and all of them have good credentials and, you know, it's a good argument for them. And then you'll have one uh, at camp I heard about uh, on the way up. uh, Some of the guys were talking about who's the greatest basketball player uh, ever. And they were talking and throwing some names around and all of them had merit to that. Uh, Then we also see that uh, who's the greatest baseball player. And you talk about Mickey Man or Babe Ruth and all that. And all of them have credentials and they could very easily be the greatest. But we also see that we also have it... uh, in the church world as well, you'll hear who's the greatest preacher that you. And we have we'll throw names like R. G. Lee and Doctor Truett and Chriswell and uh, Adrian Rogers and all those. All those have merit to that, and you could argue back and forth. But when it comes to who's the greatest of all time, there's no argument. There's no debating. It is a slam dunk, done deal. It's been settled. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the greatest... Of all times. And so we see here in chapter number two, starting with verse number 14, we're going to see why, just two reasons, and we know there's many reasons why we can say that he's the greatest of all time. Uh, But two reasons. First of all, we're going to see that he's the greatest of all time because of how he dealt with Satan. Okay? The second thing that we're going to see is that we can say that he is the greatest of all time because of how he deals with the saints. And I'm grateful that he has dealt with me. And I believe that you have testimony tonight that you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would stand up and testify. He's the greatest because of how he dealt with me. When nobody else was wanting to deal with me, King Jesus was wanting to deal with me. So we're starting in verse number 14. This is what the Bible says. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, then also himself, talking about Jesus, likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him, talking about Satan, Destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Then verse number 15, he goes on and says, And he delivered them. Now right there we could stop and have us a little hallelujah moment because he has delivered us. Aren't you glad you've been delivered tonight? He's the greatest of all because he's the only one that could deliver you and deal with your sin and go ahead and take your place and die on a tree and shed his blood so you could have remission of your sin. he's the greatest of all because he has delivered us. We have been set free, aren't you? I, I, y'all are not getting this. I know it's a Sunday afternoon. You're all pumped up. You're already exhausted uh, because you're going to have to fight traffic and all that because of the solar eclipse. But you ought to be getting a little bit happy about just the reading of this text to understand uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us and what Jesus Christ will do for us and what Jesus wants to do with us. He delivered them who through uh, fear of... Of death were were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now did you hear that? See you were subject to bondage because of your sin, because uh, of you rejecting Christ, because you were born a sinner, you were in bondage but he has set you free. He's delivered you. He's the greatest of all because he's the only one that could do that. Look, verse number 16. He says, for verily, he took not on him the nature of angels. And remember, we've already talked about that. There were some who were exalting angels. And we see uh, that he is greater than the angels. He's he's greater than the angels because he's the one that tasted death. Angel didn't taste death for you. Muhammad didn't taste death for you. Buddha didn't taste death for you. Only King Jesus tasted death for us. And that's the reason why he's the greatest of all times. And he says uh, that uh, the the, the angels, but listen, he didn't take on the nature of angels, but this is what he did. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. What are we talking about? He came as flesh and blood. Okay? Now... Verse 17, wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful, did you hear that word? A merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. I like that one too. He reconciled us when we could not reconcile ourselves. He's the only one that was qualified to reconcile us. That's the reason why he's the greatest of all time. Look in verse number 15. He says, For in that he himself, Had suffer being tempted, he is able to succumb them that are tempted. Here's what we're going to look at very quickly tonight. We're going to see that Jesus is the greatest of all because of how he dealt with Satan and how he dealt with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you tonight that we can come to your house. We can worship you. We can praise you because you are the greatest of all. You're the undisputed champion. You have no equals. You have no rivals. And Lord, we pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts Lord, that you will bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. That you will bring correction where there needs to be correction. But maybe tonight you just need to stir your people and that we will be reminded of all that you've done for us. What you brought us from. Sometimes we have short-term memories. Lord, help us to never, ever forget where we've come from and how you still wanted to meet with us. But not only do we need to be reminded of where we've come from, help us to be reminded of where we're going. And because of that, may you receive all praise, all honor, because you and you alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, I pray for that one maybe slipped in tonight that has never trusted you, never had a personal relationship with you, they're still in bondage tonight. Lord, I pray the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will sit upon them and will torment and, 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 and make them uneasy, that will stir them, that they come to realize they're in need of a Savior. And before they leave this place tonight, they'll give their hearts to you. But Lord, I also pray for those that are secure in their salvation, looking forward to your soon return. But maybe we've lost sight of what you've done for us. We haven't been as grateful as we should. Lord, would you go ahead and correct that in our lives as well? And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the people here that love one another. But most important of all, we thank you that you loved each and every one of us because we go no further than the cross to understand the magnitude of that love. And we pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We've already alluded to the fact that He is the greatest of all. Now, we also see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 33, or 23, excuse me. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 23, it talks about uh, that uh, the Lord brought them out in order to bring them in. What are we talking about here? Of course, we're talking about Moses leading the people out uh, of Egypt. And you say, well, wait a minute. Uh, what, uh, the Lord didn't lead them. Moses is the one who led them. No, 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 no. You've misunderstood what we're talking about here. God used Moses, but the ultimate, the ultimate thanks goes to the Father. Amen. The Lord Jesus is the one that brought them out in order for them to come in. I don't know about you, my dear friend, but maybe we've lost sight of the fact that's exactly what happened to us, that we were brought out of Egypt so that we could go into a relationship with a king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who saved our soul, the one who will come as a warrior and will set up residence here and we'll be able to reign with him and we'll be able to reign forevermore. He's brought us out in order for us to be brought in. And if we just went ahead, settled that fact right there, just sat right there, camped on that, that would be enough for us to shout from now to the morning time that the, He is the greatest of all. Why? Because He brought me out of my sin. He brought me out of where I was undone. He brought me out of the fact that I did not have power over Satan. I was a, I was a slave to the Satan and because of what the gracious and the loving and the merciful act of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He brought me out and so that I could come in to the family of God. A family that we will spend all eternity with praising His name and giving Him praise and honor tonight. He's the greatest of all because He's brought us out to bring us in. But then we also see in verse number 14 that he dealt with Satan. Now, how did he deal with Satan? Well, in verse number 14, he dealt with him because of his deity. Notice the word usage here that he talks about. We need to be reminded that he came out of glory. Do you understand that he came out of glory? He came out where he was surrounded by the angels who were praising and worshiping him. He had his royal garments on, but he chose Jesus. He chose to step out of glory and he chose to take those royal garments off and to replace them with swaddling clothes. He came out of glory so that he could go into the manger and he would lay on hay. At one time he was walking on streets of gold. Now he's laying in hay with all the animals around him. We understand he came, he humbled him. The Bible says he humbled himself and he has uh, came and he came in flesh and blood. Now my dear friend we need to understand even though he came in the form of human he did not lose his divinity. You need to understand there's nowhere where he lost his uh, deity. He'll never ever lose it. He cannot lose it because he is God and God has all authority and he will not relinquish that authority for all. And so we see that even though he came like a man he felt like a man had emotions like a man suffered like a man he did not lose his deity but then we also see not only his deity but look how he disarmed satan now the bible says and uses a very strong word he said he destroyed him i like that word when you go to israel The last time I went over there, uh, they had some little incident there. And uh, uh, over there, uh, they don't play around. They don't, uh, you know, first of all, leave them uh, their rights and all that. They just go ahead. And I love the word they use when they, uh, we'll just put it, they kill somebody. They use the word neutralize. Don't you like that word? So what happened to that guy that was going to blow up as they had, Oh, we neutralized him. <laughs> they Whatever they did, they killed him. They destroyed him. Here the Bible says Satan was very powerful and still is powerful, by the way. But he has lost his power because of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, when you look at death, and we don't like to talk about death, do we? We really don't. We, we like to use terms like, where well, they passed away. Then there's nothing wrong with using that. I understand. But we'll say, well, they just went over to the other side. I understand that. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, we don't like to talk about death. We don't. There's just something about that word. It's just like, it's final. They're dead. Now, here in my heart, before I... Say this. I'm not here to say that you're wrong by doing this, but I believe it's, uh, and maybe this is Mike, okay? But we're now starting to use terms like celebration of life. Nothing wrong with celebrating the life. I understand that. But we're going, when someone dies, we go to a funeral service. Why? Because they're dead. Do you understand where we're coming from? We don't like to talk about death. But the Bible is quite clear is that death has been appointed once unto man. I dare say that most of us, if not all of us, we're not going to get to see the Lord Jesus until we go by the way of the grave. Many of us are going to go by the way of the grave. Now, I'm still holding out for the rapture, and I want to be around when that uh, takes place. It's because I just think it's going to be pretty cool just flying up through the air. I, I just, you know, there's something uh, kind of cool about that. Plus, uh, I, I just uh, like to be able to have that feeling because I'm scared of heights I'm terrified of heights, but on that day, it won't matter to me. I'm just going to go up and I'm going to see Jesus in the clouds and I'm going to meet him. And the Bible says uh, that not only will we be flying through the air, but the Bible also says we'll be changed in an instant. I'm looking forward to that change, aren't you? I'm looking forward to, Many of you can identify with this. Some of us have limitations. We won't have limitations then. When we get those new bodies, those glorified bodies. And so here, but death is reality. Re- death, uh, it, we, we know that people die every day. It could be, and I know, I'm, I, you know I said, well, I thought this is going to be encouragement. It, 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 you just stay on. Hang tight, okay? I understand that there might be, it could be, that somebody might not make it out of here alive. I understand that. The Bible says there's no guarantee for any of us. Now, you can go ahead and have all your health checkups and all that, but that doesn't mean that you still can't die. I've talked to a number of people who uh, they said, Well, I just don't understand. I just, they just had a six month checkup. Everything pa- uh, uh, you know, passed with flying colors. And now they're dead. Well, I'm no longer. The Bible says that uh, our life is just like a vapor, it could be gone just like that. And so here we understand that he had destroyed death. Now, I want you to look at Luke chapter number 11, verses 21 through 22. Luke chapter 11, 21 through 22. Now, here's the story that goes... And what it's saying, he says, there was a strong man. He says, there's a strong man who is armed and he protects his house. Now, in the King James, that word uh, that I'm using for house is palace. So he's talking about, here's a strong man. He's armed. uh, He's locked and loaded, okay? And the Bible tells us there that uh, everything in his house is secure. Why? Because he's a strong man. What's made him a strong man? Because he's armed. Just like 99.9% of the people here tonight, you're armed. <laughs> and we already know which one, we know for sure which one is armed. So don't mess around. He'll go ahead and shoot you. Or neutralize you. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that sound a little more pleasant to say they killed him? They neutralized him. But uh, so, uh, so, so the strong man. But it says a stronger man... Came and overtook the strong man. And everything that the strong man thought was secure, now the stronger man has control over. Now, here's the picture. Some of you think you're strong, you're tough, you can handle situations. I like to tell the kids this when they uh, when they get in a little tough, you know, they you know they fight and, uh, and uh, or one of them will come and, and kind of boast about their athletic abilities. And I always like to tell them there's always somebody that's bigger and better than you are. Amen. Right. Satan is a strong man. He is powerful. Don't ever think that you can handle Satan on you, your own attributes. You can't because he is strong. Now, but listen, when the Lord Jesus went and died so that we could have forgiveness of our sin, when he died so that we could have victory, when he died so that we could go free, he became the stronger And he now overrules Satan. Now, we understand that uh, he's let him uh, go ahead and do his thing for a a while now. But when all the dust has settled and when the final chapters unfolded, Jesus is stronger. And now that we have come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior... We become the stronger man. See, the Bible tells us there in Romans chapter 6 uh, that he, uh, Paul tells us that no longer does sin have dominion over us. The Bible also goes and tells us that we have been crucified. We have died to Christ. And so this is what we need to understand tonight. We better not try to take Satan in on our terms. But we can take him on because greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. And I want you to know tonight we can say that we're the stronger man, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we understand this. He is greater of all why because he has overcome satan when the I love this I've been listening to Carmen how many of you remember Carmen you remember Carmen yeah he has some pretty cool stuff and i know you're old school it's okay better than going to no school but uh, and uh, Carmen has this song about it uh, sunday's coming And he talks about, in this song, he talks about Satan uh, uh, is calling up the grave. And uh, Jesus has just died. And, of course, Satan's uh, quite delighted, you know. And he says, I got him, I got him, I got him. So he calls the grave because he remembers, uh, Jesus says, now I'll be back in three days. And so he calls up the grave and he says, hey, grave, he says, "Uh, you still got him? And the grave says, no sweat, still got him. He's still in the grave. So the next day comes around. Well, Satan's getting a little bit nervous. And so he calls the grave up. And he says, Grave, you still got him? And now the grave says, uh, Listen, I don't know why you're getting so all worked up about this. I've told you he's still here. Well, then there was Saturday night. Well, Saturday night, he's getting really anxious. Satan calls the grave up and he says, Now, he he says, listen, I've done told you he's in the grave. I got this thing covered. You just need to chill out. You need to relax. It's a done deal. But then he goes on and starts singing. But Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, Satan gets up early Calls the grave up. He says, "You still got him?" He says, "Yes, I told you." He said, "Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Somebody's messing with that stone." And then the song goes on and of course we understand on that third day he rose in victory. I'm telling you we need to understand Jesus is the greatest of all. Why? Because when he died he died to remove the penalty because of your sin and he also had to die so his blood could wash your sins away. But on the third day the Bible says he rose in victory and we need to understand we can have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ not because of what you've done, not because of how many Bible uh, texts that you can quote and all that. You and I need to understand tonight that we have victory in Christ because of what Christ has done for us. He's the greatest Of all time. But then we go and see that he talks about deliverance, and we've already alluded to that in verse number 15. He's delivered us. What has he delivered us? He's delivered us from the fear of death. Spurgeon said it this way Spurgeon said that death is the last enemy that you will have to face. So, because of that, let's just keep him to the last. But Pilgrim's progress. Uh, this story it's an allegory of course you have read this story I'm assuming many of you have I know when we was in Bible school this is one of the books that we had to read for our literature courses but in Pilgrim's Progress you have a character by the name of Christian and then you have his uh, buddy who is hopeful and so they're making their pilgrimage to the celestial city of course this is all an allegory right So as they're getting to the celestial city, Christian notices there's a body of water that separates him from the city. Well, he's a little nervous about that because he doesn't know how deep that water is. But hopeful goes ahead and jumps in. And Hopeful's yelling from, the, uh, uh, from the, uh, the water. He says, come on in, Christian. You, we got to cross over to get to the celestial city. He says, come on in. He says, well, you know, uh, I don't know how deep that water is. He, he says, well, the water's good. Everything's fine. He says, well, how do I know where to step so I won't get into the deep water? He says, uh, the more you trust and believe will give you more and more comfort. See, as we're approaching death, we should not fear death as a believer. Because the Bible is quite clear. David, the psalmist, helps us to understand that as he was walking through the valley of death, we've been there. We've been where David went. And if you've ever had the wonderful opportunity to do that, you'll see there's caves all around. Bandits would hide out there. When he wrote that psalm, Understand, he was talking about his physical death. David could die at any time. By the way, that's true for us tonight. And so he says, as I'm walking through the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. The key word in that is the shadow. Shadows cannot hurt you. If I was to have a gun here and i would have it in... Uh, we have the screen down and there's a shadow there. And uh, I'll say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot you with that shadow. Uh, everyone will laugh and say, he is so stupid. Uh, no, I'm not supposed to say that word. I'm sorry, kids. Just erase that from your memory banks. I know. it's Elijah reminds me, that's a bad word, Papa. That's a bad word. But that's silly, isn't it? Where shadows can't hurt you. See, death to a believer can't hurt us. Because the Bible is quite clear. Because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Bible uses this term many times over. We just go to sleep. We just go to sleep. And so here he says, these people feared death. We don't have to fear death. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says it this way. He says, the dead in Christ will get their incorruptible bodies. Then he goes on and says, and ask a question that he, he's, he's asking a question that he already knows the answer to. And it's this, O oh death, where is your sting? Now here's, Mike's translation on that. Ain't no grave gonna keep my body down. (laughs) Hey, we're gonna get up and we're gonna have our new bodies. And when we understand that, and we understand that the Word of God has promised that, that death is not the end. Folks, I'm telling you, when we have a funeral service for a believer, it's not a time for us to come and say goodbye. It's a time for us to say, we'll see you later. Aren't you glad tonight that because of what Jesus has done for you, he's delivered you from that fear of death. Death cannot hurt you. Matter of fact, death at times can be something that you would look forward to. I have been with people who've had terminal illnesses. I have been with people who've told me, I just wish he'd come on and get me. Because how can they say that? Because they can say that is because they have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and they have trusted his word where he says, you will not die, but you'll live forever. I don't know about you, but we can say tonight that He is the greatest of all because of how he dealt with Satan and how he has dealt with sin and because of how he has dealt with Satan and sin we need to understand that we can rejoice tonight and we can sing praises to him tonight because we do not have to fear death because death only brings us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and one sweet glorious day here we're going to see him face to face and we're going to say thank you Jesus you are the greatest of all thank you that your word is true thank you that you've never let me down Thank you that I now spend all eternity worshiping and praising your holy name. He's the greatest of all because of how he dealt with Satan and how he had dealt with the grave. But I should also know we can rejoice tonight and say he is the greatest because of how he deals with us. Notice in verse number 17. The Bible says that he has dealt with us with mercy. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted just like we're tempted. Now, here's what I'm starting to find out. Is that when you've experienced something and you come in contact with someone who's gone through a similar experience, it's just something that kind of meshes you together, doesn't it? Uh, Now, I think I've alluded to this, but uh, my uh, brother, my brother uh, has uh, had two boys. His youngest uh, boy died about a year ago. Very difficult time for our family, and my brother and, of course, his wife are still, you know, struggling with some things, and he gives me a call from... And I can always tell when he gives me a call that this is one of those days he's struggling. By the way, do not let anyone tell you how to grieve. We all grieve differently. So don't go and tell somebody that you're trying to encourage them. Go and say, I just can't understand why you can't get over this thing. You just probably just need to keep your mouth closed if you say something like that. We all grieve. Now we can have similar experiences, but we all still deal with them differently, don't we? But at the same time, my brother uh, and, and um, he called me that day of the news of uh, the mayor of Nashville. Her son died of an overdose. Tyler, my uh, nephew. That's exactly how he died. And my brother called me and my, now listen. My brother is he's conservative. He, I mean, and he said. Uh, hey, did you hear about Megan Berry's son? And I said, yeah. He said, isn't that a horrible, horrible thing? And I said, yeah. He says, you know what? I just wish I could just go over and give her a hug and let her know everything's going to be okay. And then after that, he says, don't think I approve of her politics. Okay? I'm just saying. And that's okay. understand that. But why would my brother say, because my brother can say, I can relate. See, some of us, we've never gone through divorce. Many of our people have. And we can go ahead and we can, you know, let them cry with us and we can hear them out. But if you haven't experienced that, it's kind of hard to, to relate to that. By the way, those of you who have had to go through that, we have many others that you can minister to. I'm telling you, you've gone through it. You can put an arm around them. By the way, this is the body of Christ, and that's the way we're supposed to do one another, is it not? We're supposed to love on one another. Now I can go and I can still express my, you know, and all that, but I haven't gone through that. So, uh, But there's others that have done, uh, been through that and they can come and, and help you with that. See, that's what he's talking about here. See, when you have experienced mercy, you'll show mercy. When you've experienced grace, you'll extend grace. Jesus understood what it to be like when you're tempted. Now, remember when Satan went and said, I got some things I want to talk to you about, Jesus. And the Bible says he tempted him on three different occasions. Isn't it interesting that Jesus could have easily said, shut your face. Pointed his finger and fried him. He could have done that, right? He could have done that. Jesus could have done a lot of, but this is what notice what Jesus, Jesus goes to the Word of God. Now, why did Jesus go to the Word of God? Because he was being an example to us. He says, here's how you can overcome temptation. By getting into the Word of God. As I was thinking about that, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, but when I was, I was thinking about that, and here again, I'm not, I'm not negative on uh, support and, and all that. Uh, you know, I, I'm a rehab. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I understand. In their place, they're well and good. But here's the bottom line. The Word of God is still powerful. The Word of God can be spoken into you. And you can overcome those temptations. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that... The Bible says we no longer have any excuses. Now, your weakness might not be my weakness. Notice Jesus, how He dealt with that. See, the Word of God can speak to your weakness as well as it speaks to my weakness. But here's the bottom... uh, Having said all of that is... The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a powerful weapon. The problem is we're not using it enough. And so he says he was merciful. But notice he says that he's also faithful. Jesus is faithful. Now, here's where... I need to learn. See, he's faithful to us when we're not faithful to him. Now, we have hard problems with that, don't we? Hey, I'll be faithful to you as long as you're watching my back there, brother. I'll be faithful to you. I'll be faithful to you. I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll go toe to toe and I'll side by side, you can count on me. But then when That other party becomes unfaithful. What do we do? Same thing. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't operate like that? See, Jesus is faithful no matter if you are not. His word is always true. Not only that, but His promises are still true as well. See when he made the covenant with Abraham, and when he made the covenant with David, we understand when he made that covenant with Israel, Israel walked away from him. But then they would come back, and God didn't bring up the point. Says, "Now listen to me. Listen. You didn't walk out on me one time. You ain't gonna do this to me again. Aren't you glad that he's a God of grace and faithfulness?" We talked about it in Sunday school class. John Mark. We all know John Mark, and uh, when you talk about John Mark, uh, the thing that really resonates usually with people is that, oh yeah, he's the one that quit on Paul. And he did. Went on that first trip. We don't know why he quit, but he quit. Later on, Barnabas, who's his cousin, they were getting ready for that second missionary journey, and Barnabas says, well, Paul, you thought about John Mark? (laughs) Paul said, are you kidding me? He done bailed on me one time. You think I'm going to give him another opportunity to bail on me? Barnus being the encouragement, talked to him, and we know later on they worked their differences out. And who went on the second missionary journey? John Mark. What a wonderful picture because every one of us has failed Jesus at least one time. Every one of us has. Probably numerous times. But aren't you glad? The Lord Jesus doesn't throw that in your face when you come back to Him and He says, listen, you bet on me one time, how can I trust you now? No, the Bible and the beautiful picture that we are all familiar with, Luke 15, where the boy who went and did his own thing comes back and the Father was ready to receive him. That's the Jesus we serve tonight. No matter how many times you fail, you pick yourself. He picks yourself up. He'll dust you off, get the mud off of you. And he says, okay, let's get back and let get on again. So here we see that he's the greatest of all because of how he had dealt with Satan, and how he had dealt with death and sin, but he's also the greatest of all how he deals with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes... Uh, People can be kind to you, pastor. Sometimes people can be kind. (laughs) Sometimes. And they can. They can say very gracious things, very nice things. Many of you have been very, very kind to me. And uh, you never know until we get there how much you have encouraged me. But you just see me around here. You don't see me when I go home. Now, where do you, Oh, what's he? Oh, he's, fixing, he's fixing to confess something here big. I don't go and beat on my wife. I don't do anything like that. But I do kind of have my little pity parties. I do get a little angry and frustrated. I do say some things that I regret saying a little bit later on. I can get worked up pretty good. Just ask any of my family. What I'm trying to say is the Lord Jesus Christ is still faithful. Even when I'm messing up, He still allows me to do what I'm able to do. And I praise His holy name because it's by His grace and it's by His grace you are in the position that you are in because I haven't gone home with any of you but I'm sure y'all can act like a behind too right hey this is okay to be it's, Hey, the bible says confess your sins one to another so if anybody got anything to confess right now just go ahead no don't do don't do that please don't we have children here so. but the lord jesus sees all of that even though We don't see what goes on in our households. And yet, He still gives us the privilege to be used of Him. He's the greatest of all time. Because He has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. He has given us new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And He continues to deal merciful and gracious and faithful to us. Tonight... If nothing else, when we give this invitation, many of us ought to come and fall on our knees and our faces before God and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the greatest of all times. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that at one time I was bound for hell, but now I'm bound for heaven. Thank you, Jesus. If nothing else, this ought to have a fall in love. just fall in love with Jesus. Just love on Jesus' invitation. But lost person, if you're here tonight, you cannot relate to anything that's been said because you haven't experienced it. But here's good news. He's gracious enough for you to hear another gospel message. He's given you another opportunity to come to know Him in a personal way.